Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcast at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can subscribe on Podbeam, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play Music. If you have any questions for Pastor Eric or would like to suggest topics for our podcast, you can email Pastor Eric at erik.anderson at nllutheran.com. Pastor Eric, thank you for joining us today. With me today, I have Pastor Blake Shipman, who is, uh, you'll get a little bit more bio- biographical information from him, but uh, he is uh, a product of this congregation and now is pastoring uh, Lutheran Church and LCMC Church in Galena, Illinois. So we're glad to have him here with us today. We're taking a little bit of an interlude to talk about the congregation and talk about being a pastor and and what that means uh, to, to Pastor Blake and myself. And so I'm excited to have him here with us. Blake, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Eric. So Blake, I just want to start off and ask you, what are you reading right now? I am going through the Letters and Papers from Prison by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Oh, um, I'm on the fourth month of his imprisonment, and mm. I just got through the interrogation period. Um, he is writing letters to his family asking for a lawyer as as I continue to read on, and he's just about ready to start his trial. Um, if you aren't familiar with Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he was a German martyr in World War II. He was actually the last execution that Adolf Hitler personally ordered. Mm. So if you need a great theological read that's light on the theology but heavy on the actual actuality of life, I highly recommend Letters and Papers from Prison. Yeah, uh, I, I love Dietrich Bonhoeffer personally. Um, He's one of my heroes, and I, I like The Cost of Discipleship and his book on ethics, but I haven't read Letters and Papers from prison. So so Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, very well-respected theologian in the 20th century mm-hmm. and very important theologian in the 20th mm-hmm. century, um, brought in a lot of good conversation in American Christianity, especially has been impacted uh, by him. And so I'm just kind of curious, how do you see... Um, s- how does the the letters and papers from prison interact with what you read of his theology and church life practice? Yeah, um, he definitely lives out his calling through through his books, but also through what he writes to his parents. So what you see in his theological works is exactly what we get in his daily life. Mm. He talks about daily prayer. He wrote a book called Life Together, mm-hmm. which was a manual on how the Christian life should be led together in community. Um, he tried to implement that at an underground seminary called Finkenwald in northern Germany. And he talks a lot about there about um, daily prayer, devotionals together, um, devotionals alone. And he lives that out even in his tiny prison cell. Mm. 
Blake, thank you. Um, I just want to get an update from you. Right now, you are a seminarian, so you're studying mm-hmm. um, for ministry, but you're also a practitioner. You are a called pastor um, to the Galena LCMC Church. So just give us an update from seminary. How are things going? Where are you going? Give us some some information about that. Yeah, for sure. So I live in Dubuque, Iowa. I'm a student at Wartburg Theological Seminary. I'm starting year two. Um, halfway through my first year, I was attending this LCMC church in Galena called St. Matthew. And I showed up two weeks before their pastor was going to retire. Hmm. And so long story short, um, I, they extended me a call and I switched over from the traditional learning track, which we call residential to collaborative learning, which is a fancy way of saying I learn in the classroom full time. I serve at a parish part time and I take what I learned from the classroom into the parish, but I also take what I learned in the parish back to the classroom. So I'm kind of cross-pollinating both worlds, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's been a wonderful experience thus far. And I always tell my people it's been a blessing twofold both ways, and I'm sure it's going to continue. So I have about I have about three years left in my master's degree, and then after that, um, this part-time call will transition into a full-time call. Okay, great. So the, the Wartburg Seminary is in Dubuque, Iowa, and mm-hmm. it, the MDiv program... How is that um, broken up? Year one, you mentioned you just got done. Your or year two, you just got done. Is that correct? Year one. Year one, you just got done. So you're heading into year two. Mm-hmm. You'll have three more years or so after that. Can you kind of break us down how those classes are set up? What you'll be take, what you took last year, and what you'll be taking in the future, and how that MDiv is is set up? For sure. So in your first year, you take a lot of. For me, it was rudimentary courses, but I was a religion major in my undergrad, mm-hmm. so. We went through the entirety of the New Testament. Um, we started with Gospels in the first semester, and then we took the Pauline letters the second semester and all the contested letters as well as Revelation as well. Um, your first semester is a lot of building you up for theological work. Mm-hmm. So teaching you how to write theologically, teaching you how to speak theologically, teaching you how to cite theologically. Mm-hmm. And then your second semester is really when they start to ratchet it up a little bit. I took a class called systematic theology, mm-hmm. which is a field of theology where theologians attempt to lay out every piece of the faith in a logical and, ex- and explainable way so that a person, if they had a question, could come to the pastor and the pastor could lay it out for them in a very understandable way. If it sounds easy, it is absolutely not. <laughs> it is quite possibly mm-hmm. the most difficult class I've ever taken in my mm-hmm. entire life. Mm-hmm. But I've gained so much from it, and I think that class has built my theological chops the most. Mm. Yeah, that's good. And and how do you, I guess I'm, just for my own edification, how was that, what did you read in that class, and how was that class, well, how was that systematically laid out for you as you learned? So the class used the Nicene Creed, or okay. as we were as we called it as theologians, the Nicene Constantinopolitan Creed. <laughs> and we were forced to call it that. I have a, He was a very old school professor, but I loved him. And so we broke that down into all of its different articles. So mm-hmm. we talked about God the Father and what was God the Father's role in creation. Mm-hmm. What was God the Son's role? What was God mm-hmm. the Spirit's role? Yeah. And we used um, Christian Dogmatics by Carl Broughton. Yeah. And we used Volume 1 and 2, and we read through that for wow. the entire for the entire semester. These were pretty thick books, so there was quite a lot of reading. Um, It wouldn't be uncommon for me to have probably 
400 pages of reading for that oh, class boy. in one week. Mm. Um, the guy with the stickler, but sure. Winston Prasad really builds you up. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Right. So uh, are you enjoying your classes at Warburg? Are you enjoying your experience there? I mean, how do you feel, you know, subjectively, how are you how are you going through that? You know, I am going through it quite well. Um, for years on end, Warburg was having smaller and smaller classes. Mm. Then my class came along mm. and there was there's probably about 60 of us, including people on campus and at a okay. distance. We have distance learning, so I have classrooms all across the country. Um, but I have a really big contingent of people on campus that are my age and mm. that are in my class. Mm -hmm. So I am surrounded by fellow 20 somethings and a couple young 30 somethings and even a few 60 somethings. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'm, the academics are going great. Good. Um, but a big reason why I chose Wartburg was for the community aspect mm -hmm. as well. And that's big there. Um, life together is lived mm -hmm. both inside the classroom, but also at the local bar yeah. or at, at around the lunch table. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. we really have a sense of community that's good. in the entire seminary, but also in my class, especially that's really nurturing me right now. So that's great. I'm very blessed when it comes to that. Yeah. My, my undergrad was at a small college mm -hmm. similar to Wart, which you went to Wartburg college, which is small yeah. as well. Yeah. And so, um, you know, you know, that that uh context and that environment well but mm -hmm. I, I loved that um mm -hmm. just the community that was built around that that's great so talk to us about the the church that you're at now and um how you you know you kind of teased it a little bit um who did you follow after the pastor he was retiring so talk to us about the church the community of galena and how you ended up being the pastor and what ministry has been like there yeah um I always love to start off with, with the history of the congregation. So if it's okay with mm -hmm. you, I'd love yeah, to absolutely. give you a little background. So the congregation was chartered in 1858. Okay. Um, we were a German Lutheran congregation. The neighborhood we're located in was affectionately called Cabbage Town. <laughs> um, back in the day, all the German immigrants would yep. settle up on the bluff in Galena, and they'd walk to church, and we were the mm -hmm. Lutheran church in town. Mm -hmm. um, so we were chartered in 1858. The building we're in now was built in... 18 the early 1860s i'm okay. not quite sure of the year sure um fun fact general grant was our neighbor he lived oh. two doors down when no we okay. first opened but he was kind of fighting a thing called the civil war yeah, when we sure, had our first yeah. easter celebration well, was, was a little bit distracted at a little that bit a yeah. little bit and he was methodist anyway yeah. so but we love him still <laughs> so yeah we're right smack dab in the middle of the historical district in galena we've been having services continually since 1858 awesome and we are a congregation of 130 baptized souls on the roll, mm -hmm. but we have a large tourist economy in Galena. Sure. So on a given weekend, I usually worship between, on a bad weekend, 60, and a good weekend, 80. Okay. Um, we have Saturday night service and Sunday morning service. We get a lot of tourists that come in. And yeah, it's just a great context I found myself in. Mm -hmm. And I always enjoy telling people the story of how I came in here um my friends always ask me how how did you find your way into this role yeah like just being a first year seminarian and I always joke that I started out started off in like the fifth to last pew and then mm -hmm. I moved up a little further the next Sunday <laughs> and then eventually I just walked behind the altar and they yeah, hired me yeah. <laughs> but, but no what happened was um I showed up at this LCMT church it was the only LCMT church within like an hour distance mm -hmm. drive from Dubuque. So I thought, okay, I'll give them a try. It's only a 15 minute drive between Dubuque and Galena. It was my first weekend of 
off in seminary. I thought I need to find mm-hmm. a congregation that will feed me mm-hmm. and make me feel as welcome as as I can. Mm-hmm. So I showed up at the doorstep of St. Matthew Lutheran, and I knew that they were going through the process of finding a new pastor mm-hmm. because back in my undergrad days, I would always look on the LCMC mm-hmm. listings. Just yeah. I was anxious to get out, and I thought, well, I'm just going to keep on looking and keep on looking. Yeah, right and see what's out there. And I saw that they were looking for an intern pastor. So the summer before I actually came, I sent them an email saying, hey, mm. I'm planning on coming to you. Um, mm. I'm pro- I am probably can't serve in the role that you want me to, right. but use me as you see fit. Sure. So they knew I was coming. coming. Mm-hmm. So fast forward, first Sunday I walk in the door, they already know who I am. Sure. They've already stalked me on Facebook. They admitted mm. that later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so I sit down, we have a great service, and they tell me, well, we have this interim coming, but you're more than welcome to stick around and see if he needs any help. Mm. Little did they tell me that the interim was 88 years old. <laughs> and God love the guy. I really feel bad for his situation. I believe he was really working for his grandkids. He's raising twin teenage oh, wow. girls. Oh, wow. And so really felt for his family situation. Sure. So he gets here. He can barely walk. Right. He needed um, a lot of help. He needed yeah. quite a bit of help. Yeah. And so... The first Sunday he was there, I did all the liturgy, mm. and he preached mm-hmm. the sermon. Mm-hmm. The next Sunday, I had to be gone for something. And I then the following Sunday, so this is three weeks into my time mm-hmm. there, they asked me, can you preach? Past, mm. Pastor Anderson is going back to New Mexico to see his granddaughters be confirmed. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, sure. So it was Reformation weekend. I preached on Martin Luther. Yep. Good guy if you haven't read him yet. <laughs> And I think it went pretty well. Yeah. And so everything's going great. I had to leave again for another for another weekend thing. Mm. I It's not jogging my mem- in my memory what it was, but I was mm. gone. Mm-hmm. So this is four weeks now. On the fifth week, I come back and say, where's Pastor Anderson? Mm. And Bruce Etzel, my council president, said, uh, yeah, he had to go back to New Mexico again. I told him to pack. It might be a good idea if he packed his bags and took them along with him. Mm. And so oh, wow. at that point in time, they asked me, um, Blake, can you can you help us out for mm. as long as as long as we need you? And I said, yeah, sure. Wow. And so at that point in time, I'm still a full time student on this residential path. So I'm in the classroom Monday through Thursday from 9 a.m. to some till about 2 p.m. Mm-hmm. And so. I'm going to classes. I'm taking two days out of my week to go have office hours yeah. just to keep the church afloat, check the answering machine, yeah. check the mail, make sure everything's okay. And I'm preaching every Sunday. So mm. that goes from ab- about mid-October until after Christmas. I preached every Christmas oh, wow. service. And they asked me if they could have a meeting with me in January. And the first thing I thought was, okay, what did I say in my mm-hmm. sermon that they did not like? <laughs> yeah. And then I'm racking my brain. And I thought, no, no, no. I, I didn't say anything that I thought was objectively like out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I thought, well, they're dropping all these hints. So I've, it's got to be something good. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so they, I go to this meeting at our local hospital of all places, yeah. wow. which will, I'll, <laughs> I'll probably talk about the hospital more later on. But anyway, so go to the local hospital. I walk into the room with my President Bruce Etzel, my vice president, Charlie Marsden, and my, the retired pastor, Fred Baltz. And they sit me down and say, 
we like you. We want to extend you a one-year contract mm. that's renewable until mm-hmm. you get out of seminary. We want to keep you on as our pastor. Wow. And so I s- thought about it, and I said, um, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I, I thought to myself, I'd be dumb not to take this. Mm-hmm. And so I took it, and I switched over to the collaborative, collaborative learning track, which mm-hmm. cut down on my class load. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But will still get me out in the four years' time. Mm-hmm. And... Here I am. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So what is, um, you know, when you when you said an enthusiastic yes to pastoring, so talk to me about what makes you want, what made you want to be a pastor when you were, I, I'm not sure when you felt the call to be a pastor or when you were told the call to be a pastor, um, but talk to me about why that call was put on your life and why you why you do what you do like what gets you up in the morning what energizes you to be this pastor you know it's going to sound extremely cliche but it was definitely a calling from god Mm -hmm. um if if i had it my way i'd be a music therapist working up at the university of iowa healthcare system Mm -hmm. right about now but uh i really felt the call to ministry in my senior year of high school okay. and of all times and places it was the day that my grandma was diagnosed with stage four melanoma oh wow and i'm just on the ground thinking god why did you do this why why is this happening to her mm-hmm. i mean yeah she smoked like a chimney but <laughs> yeah i didn't think it'd be skin cancer right yeah sure and then all of a sudden i hear follow i thought wait well, hold on what do you mean here mm. and then i hear shepherd wow. so i'm thinking okay well that's not coming from my mind and I'm not thinking these words. So right. this is definitely God talking. Mm. So oh, I thought, wow. wait, you want me to be a minister? And then just warmth oh, and wow. tingliness and like a, a firm yes. Mm. And I'm thinking, okay, well, I've already signed on to go to Wartburg College sure. as a music major. So uh, thanks, God. Maybe someday, but <laughs> not right now. Yeah. So God said, okay, you, you go do life by your own design. Um Grandma died, sang at her mm-hmm. funeral. It was a beautiful service. Mm-hmm. And so that's the end of my senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. I go into college. First semester went well, made the mm-hmm. dean's list, was doing great. I thought, man, if I have this great of a first semester, I can't wait to see what second semester mm-hmm. brings. And that's when things started to go down the tube for the music major. Wow. Um, I call I call this divine failing. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I got a D in music theory too, which mm. I needed a C or better in to go on with music degree. Mm. And I thought, okay, I know th- these grades are definitely on me, but I can't help but think that maybe God's trying to tell me something mm. here. Mm-hmm. And so there I am in my dorm room freshman year thinking, okay, what do you want me to do, God? Mm. And what two words pop in my head again? Oh, wow. <laughs> Follow, shepherd. I'm wow. thinking, okay, fine, I'm done. You win. <laughs> I will walk over to the religion wow. departments and declare the next day. And sure, sure enough, I did. Wow. And I finished a four-year degree in three, three years, mm. which was a feat in of itself. Sure. But it was a great feat and wow. entered into the seminary and I've not looked back since. Yeah, yeah. And so I guess what, what gets me up every morning is realizing if someone, i.e. God, thought I'm made out for this. Sure. So if God put these gifts in my life to make sure that I can, to mm-hmm. make sure that I was into the, in the ministry, yeah. then I'm going to try to be the best darn minister sure. I can be. Yeah. That's great. So what, what's your favorite part about being a pastor? Oh, the connection with the people for sure. Okay. I mean, some people, my, my predecessor, he, some people like him enjoyed the theological aspects, mm-hmm. learning mm-hmm. about what the Bible says, teaching about the Bible. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy one-on-one with mm-hmm. my congregants. Um, 
house visits are my absolute favorite. Oh, wow. Learning about their life, learning about what makes them tick, mm-hmm. um, visiting people in the hospital, mm-hmm. I love it. Wow, um, being being there for them as a calming presence in their in a moment in their life that is critical to them. Yeah, it really is an honor to me that they're a willing to let me in and b I can be there and mm. shepherd them through with God on our side. Yeah, that's great. And I think you know when I. I was a I was a Methodist pastor for three years before I came here, yeah. and I and I found great. Um, uh, I found a lot of a lot of goodness in the Lutheran way of of doing pastoral work mm-hmm. that I hadn't found in my in my previous uh, which which uh, I was Methodist, but it's probably more broadly evangelical, just mm-hmm. a more broadly evangelical approach to pastoral ministry have a category for um, when people were suffering or when I was suffering, I didn't have a category to deal with that in any real way. You know, it Mm -hmm. was, it was, Oh, um, you you just fall into cliche. Like, Oh, well, everything happens for a reason. God must have, you know, a plan for the, you know, all these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And, and I found that, that I was essentially just like, it, it was an emasculated way to, that's maybe not the right word. Um, it, it had no teeth, you know, the yeah. way that the way that I was approaching pastoral work and, and especially the suffering um, that happens in people's lives. I, it just had no teeth because mm-hmm. we were talking about how like, hey, you know, if you follow Jesus, like you'll have all this peace, you'll have all this joy, you'll have all this like, you know, whatever. And and then I would walk into a, a hospital room and this person did not have this. And I had I had no place to go, but like, well, you just need to work harder on having peace. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah, where it yeah. ended up. And that's not what they need to hear at the right, time. That's exactly right. But that's all I had to offer. So then I just I didn't say anything. You know, I had no way of mm-hmm. um but then when I was was transitioning, um, kind of awakened to uh a, a more biblical, I think, uh way of of dealing with suffering with the in the Lutheran tradition. Mm-hmm suddenly the the door opened wide that there's there is a category for suffering in mm-hmm. the Lutheran tradition that I mean our whole theology it's the theology of the cross I mean the whole thing is under the cross in that mm-hmm. like life is suffering it, it that is what it is um, and it's because of the hell that we have introduced into the world through our our sin and and God suffers with us and he mm-hmm. suffers for us and God actually uses your suffering to get you closer to to him. Like I had a new category that I hadn't had, um, before. So it's actually opened me up to enjoying the hospital visits and the home visits more. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I, I have a category now that I didn't have. Yeah. Before. I think that's what the Lutheran tradition really gets right. We yeah. call a thing exactly what it yeah, is. Right. We don't try to sugarcoat the, yeah. the muck you're going through in life. We will say that is terrible. And I'm sorry, I don't have any answers for you. Right. But you know, God's not going to abandon you through any of this. Right. He's going to be right there with you. God's going to be working through the nurses, helping you out. God's going to be on that cross, yeah. suffering right there with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's and I like that. You know, before um, the baptismal theology uh, in the wider evangelical world isn't isn't that great, and so I always had to fall back on. Um, you need to work harder to have peace is essentially what I had to tell people. Mm-hmm. But now I can say you are baptized, which means God has given you all these promises. Mm-hmm. There's an objective truth that God has bestowed on you. 
his righteousness and his peace. You have it. Um, and not, and now I don't have to say you have to cultivate that within yourself. No, you have it. Um, so you can receive that, receive that now, which is, it's so much better. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I think it's really awesome that we affirm through baptism that not only are we baptized into the life of Christ, we're also baptized into the death of Christ, Mm -hmm. which opens up all these doors. Yeah. It, like you said, it's just great. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, so with that, why would, you know, we, we kind of touched on this. Life is pretty messy and it's yeah. pretty complicated. Um, and to me, it seems like the work of the pastor uh, is to dive into that messiness. And, and the pastor, mm-hmm. the pastor should be, everyone's a theologian, but the pastor should be a public theologian, helping people work through mm-hmm. um, doctrine and help people do that. But even more than that, it feels like the pastor is the person who, just dives into the messiness of life and just kind of helps people like grapple um, with their suffering and say, Hey, here's God. Here is God in this. Mm -hmm. Um, So why in the world would God choose the congregation to why, why would, why would he organize his, the body of Christ in such a weird way? You know, I just preached a sermon last week called an extraordinary God for such an ordinary time. Mm. And my big point was God doesn't do anything logical or ordinary Mm -hmm. or anything that we can think of. Mm -hmm. God's always one step ahead. Um, When he can't, when we think he's going to come as a triumphant Messiah comes as a tiny kid, he needs his diapers changed by his mom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, When we think he's going to get up off the cross, he dies there on the cross. Mm -hmm. And so I think when I think our God works in such a way that the, the extraordinariness is also randomness. Right. So when why would he work through a congregation? Well, what else would he work through? Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, this gathering of people as mm. they are broken, but also claimed and beloved is such a wonderful context mm. to show and preach the word and the love of God. It's the only place that I can think of that mm truly feeds us both physically and spiritually. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can think of anything better, please let me know. Yeah. But yeah. I think that's exactly why God uses us. Mm. We're so broken and yet God sees worth in us and mm. says, this is where my work will be done. This is where mm. I want my create. This is where I want my love spread. And so I think it's through like you said, the foolishness of the gospel, I think it's through the foolishness of this congregation that mm. God says, I'm going to put all my eggs into this basket wow. here. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, um, the Luther's Heidelberg, Heidelberg disputation is, uh, says that, um, man's, man's work that seem, seems good is actually sin. Mm-hmm. And God's work that seems sinful or wrong to us is actually is actually good. So where mm-hmm. we would want to build ivory towers and in some, some places we've tried to do that through, um, I think sometimes how we, uh, emphasize, um, seminary sometimes can actually be mm-hmm. an ivory tower because your seminary is devoid from the congregation in a, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways or how we talk about doctrine or these sorts of things. It becomes an ivory tower and we, it looks good and it feels good to have all the right answers. Um, but it actually misses what God has, what God has actually given us. 
Yeah. Um, which is the foolishness of the congregation, which is full of gossips and sinners and people who are sick and have cancer. And mm-hmm. this is this is where this is where God has chosen to speak the gospel and to give the sacrament is through this idiotic group of sinners. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, even when we look back through the words of scripture, Jesus wasn't rubbing shoulders and breaking bread with all the Sadducees and Pharisees. Mm, he was mm-hmm. calling them names and calling them out for their yeah. own stupidity mm. and blindness. Mm. And it's that's in our world today. The church is called to be with the people that are truly disenfranchised, mm-hmm. truly need to hear what the word has to say. The minute mm-hmm. we get behind all of these dogmatic arguments and cannot reach the people who truly need the word is the minute that the church fails its mission on the earth mm. and becomes nothing but a club. Wow. Yeah, that's right. The country club. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so is it, is it worth it and why is it worth it? And talk to us as a pastor, what it means to uh, live life together under the cross, um, under the word and sacrament and how in, in Galena, um, maybe you can give us some insight into how the how God's word and God's life has been expressed through your congregants. Yeah, for sure. Um, I always I thought of this analogy years ago, and I always try to put it into anything I preach. Mm. And sometimes it sticks, sometimes it doesn't. But in our world, we have. We always have like the angel on our shoulder and the devil on our shoulder. Mm. But I say we, we don't have an angel and a devil. We have this tiny whisper of God saying you are enough. Mm. And you've got this giant bullhorn of the world saying you need all of these things before mm. you are oh, enough. Wow. And so I think it's our job as called and soon to be ordained ministers mm-hmm. that we show our congregation how do we how to block out the giant bullhorn and to listen for the tiny whisper. Mm. And that's quite honestly what I've been trying to do throughout my entire ministry wow. in Galena. And the minute that you can sh- point out those moments to people and they hear that whisper for themselves, that's why it's enough for me. That's why wow. it's worth it to me. Wow. If I can sh- do that for one person in the congregation, well, then I've done my job. Wow. And it's not even my job. It's God's job. But right. I've been yeah. the conduit. So that's why it's so worth it to me. Mm. Um when I think about our congregation in Galena, like I said, we are a tourist-driven town. Mm-hmm. We have such a great hospitality about us mm-hmm. that when a tourist comes in off the street, it's like they have been members for years. Wow. Um, Jan Etzel is my church musician, and she's a gifted musician, but she's also gifted in hospitality. Mm-hmm. Um, she She plays beautiful piano. But she's also the first one to get up off that piano and, and to go greet a guest when they mm-hmm. walk in the front door. Mm-hmm. We always make sure that if people want a tour of the congregation, they get a tour of the church, which I, I haven't even told you that much. Mm-mm. Fred Baltz was my predecessor, like I said. He was also a theologian that built a lot of stuff. Mm. So we have a cross that is from the Gospel of John. We've got a life-size Goliath. We've got a Sadducee. We've got a Greek hoplite soldier. We've got a Roman centurion. We Mm. have, I think, three chariots. Wow. One life-size, one authentic, one miniature. Wow. No joke. So we've got a lot of stuff, and it's packed into this little church. (laughs) And so 
when we tell people this, they always ask, well, can we see? And I've never seen anyone in my congregation yet say, well, it's a lot of work and I don't want to take you on mm-hmm. it. If they ask that any one of the congregations going to say, oh yeah, sure. Come on wow. back. Do you want some coffee by the way? Mm-hmm. So we do hospitality. Well, we preach, we, we preach word based gospel and sermons and we have a love for each other that knows no bounds. Mm. We have a love for this community we found ourselves in that mm-hmm. knows no bounds. Mm-hmm. What's really cool about Galena is about um, 30 or 40 years ago, it was this town that was on the down and outs. Mm. The entire Main Street, um, if you haven't been yet, right now it's all boutique shopping and tourist destination. Mm-hmm. 40 years ago, it was nothing but dilapidated buildings and bars. Sure. And so it's gone through this metamorphosis through the years. Mm. And eventually people from Chicago found this tiny sleepy town in the driftless mm. area of Northwestern Illinois. And so they started to move out there and buy mm. houses and where other people in Galena might say, well, this is bad. My congregation still native Galenian at the time, mind you said, let's open our doors. Mm. Oh, and wow. so all these people that found Galena and moved out from the city or moved from wherever had have a home at mm-hmm. St. Matthew Lutheran. Wow. And I always, when people ask me, what, what is my congregation made up of? I always say, well, there's some native Galenians, but there's also some transplants that found their way home here. And another big contingent is tourists off the street. Mm-hmm. But anytime we gather together for word and sacrament, all those labels go away mm-hmm. and we're just one body in Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's something I truly, truly believe. Yeah, that's great. So that's your way of saying God, God saying you are enough. Yeah. You know, I, I love you and I am pursuing you and I will have you. That's, mm-hmm. that's your way of, of saying that. You can try to run all you want. I mean, mm. I, I tried it for a year. I, I, I'm <laughs> sure many other people have tried it for much longer. God's always going to catch you. Mm-hmm. He's got infinite stamina. You're not going <laughs> to. So I just want to um, close the last question I have for you. Can you talk a little bit um we got a little bit of your history. Um, some of the people who are listening are from this church, so they'll know you. But can you give us um, a brief history of your time here? Not just that new life, but uh, the church that you were at, your family went to previously, um, some of the pastors that have been important to you, and maybe how they shaped your work as a pastor and how you understand being a pastor. Um, so can you just kind of walk us through some of your earlier life? There? Definitely, definitely. So uh, I was born here in Sterling, Illinois, CGH Medical Center. Um, <laughs> so my parents are Stacy and Lori Shipman of New Life Lutheran. At the time I was born, we were members of St. Paul's Lutheran here in Sterling, mm-hmm. which Pastor Phil Grumbach was the head pastor of at the time. I was baptized by Pastor Phil Grumbach and was a member of St. Paul's up until my confirmation years. Um one day I came into my parents' room and said, I'm not going to Sunday school anymore. I don't get anything out of it. Mm. And so they said, well, that's an issue because you are going to be confirmed. <laughs> so uh, instead of making you go through something you don't like, how about we go go around? And I absolutely hate the phrase, but my parents use it anyway. But let's church shop. Mm-hmm. And so we did. And we went around town, tried different churches, and we eventually settled on Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Rock Falls. Mm-hmm. That's where my mom went before she met my dad. Okay. And so... I went there until the 0809 split of the congregation. And my parents eventually said, well, 
we're starting a church mm-hmm. in Centennial Auditorium next mm-hmm. week. We don't have a name, but we're going to find it. Mm-hmm. And so Pastor Martha Nelson from the wife of John Nelson, the head pastor at Hosanna oh, Lutheran yep. Church, mm-hmm. came out. And that's in Chicagoland area. Yes, yeah. St. Charles, for those of you who know the suburbs. Mm-hmm. She came out and did our first service, and I was the organist. Never played organ in a day <laughs> in my life, mind you. Um, my mom always jokes, I, my I knew one hymn really well. Mm-hmm. What a friend we have in Jesus. Oh. And so I just vamped that for my <laughs> my prelude and my postlude, and that was that. That's amazing. And so started a new life, called Pastor Bill Sullivan. He was another big mentor of mine. Mm. Um, preached some solid word-based mm-hmm. sermons, and I thought, yeah, that's definitely a person I'm going to style my preaching off of. Mm-hmm. And so went through new life, was part of the first confirmation class um have been here since the beginning Mm -hmm. so this congregation really is special in my heart it's raised me for Mm -hmm. a good portion of my life Mm -hmm. so then i went off to college and went to wartburg college where my pastors were pastor ramona buzzard and brian beckstrom and pastor ramona definitely was the person that fed me a lot at Wardburg College. Pastor mm-hmm. Brian was great. Don't get me wrong, I absolutely love him. But there's just something about the way Ramona preached that I mm-hmm. thought, okay, I want to take her way of phrasing wor- phrasing words and bring them into my mm-hmm. realm of preaching. And so that was my time at Wardburg mm-hmm. College. I went to Wardburg Seminary, where I'm at now, and met a woman by the name of the Reverend Shaw Rockway Cox. And the first time I heard Shar preach, we, she got up off of her seat, didn't go behind the pulpit, which I was used to because everyone preaches mm-hmm. from a manuscript there pretty much. Mm. She had a note card in her hand and just looked at everyone and preached the most emphatic sermon mm. on why last words matter mm. and started rattling off all of these last words from all these wow. famous people. And I thought, okay, I want to be her as well. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to mentors, definitely Pastor Phil Grombach. Um, when I was installed at St. Matthew's, I knew I absolutely had to have the pastor who baptized me Mm -hmm. come install me. And hopefully in three years time, he'll be the one that also, um, ordains me. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. Pastor Phil Grumbach for sure. Um, I was, I've been really influenced by Pastor Ramona, like I said, Mm -hmm. Shaw, Rockaway Cox, um, pastors here, yourself, Mm -hmm. Ben, when I hear Mm -hmm. word preached by both of you, I get tidbits here and there that I take for myself mm-hmm. and attempt to adapt. And so really, I've been blessed with a plethora of many different great mentors and teachers and colleagues. And it's been a wonderful life so far. And mm-hmm. I truly look forward to the ministry we're going to continue to do up at St. Matthew's, but also wherever I go and mm-hmm. whoever I learn from. Yeah, that's great. That's great. All right. Well, thank you, Pastor Blake. Appreciate it. Thank you, Pastor Eric. Um, yeah, it's we, been a pleasure. Yeah, we enjoyed having you here. So um, thank you guys for listening. Um, that is, This is Blake Shipman is my guest, and he is the pastor of St. Matthew's Lutheran Church in Galena, Illinois, uh, which is one of our LCMC churches up there. So, all right. Thanks so much for listening. God bless.
trouble, trouble, trying to hide. Trying